Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our series called Planted as we are in the midst of 40 days of prayer for the Oaks Project. And I am joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Good morning, Taylor. Good to have you back. And we're joined by Communications Director Paulina De La Fuente. Paulina, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be here, Taylor. Jose, we're in an exciting season of the church. I've said that, I think, every week on the podcast so far. You are normally very excited. It is very exciting. It is very exciting stuff. This week, we've been looking at a few areas as we answer the question of where are we sowing Mm -hmm. in this season. And so, you kind of highlighted three particular areas, the family our church, and in our community. And so this Sunday, we looked at the church. Jose, we'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what God showed you as you prepared for this message. Yeah, so we talk about this really all the time, how to sow into the church, how to be better husbands, better dads, better citizens, better folks in the church. Uh, I'm talking from the male perspective, (laughs) but obviously all of us are getting better at uh, who we are and in following Jesus, and that helps the church Mm. build up and grow in love as Ephesians 4 teaches. And and so these points came out of Ephesians 4 uh, that we talked about on Sunday, and and it it is both an individual and a collective effort. So the more we grow closer to the Lord, um, the, the more the body grows. I think my hope for this message was to make sure that we're all in the game, that this isn't just a spectator sport, that, that you know, I talked a lot about football on mm-hmm. Sunday, that, that we, you know, get geared up and in the game. And, and um, the more we do that, I think the better we will be as a church, the stronger we will be as a church. Yeah, we'll look at uh, different aspects here in just a second of, of what you laid out of what a strong church looks like. But the passage you started with before looking into uh, Ephesians 4, one of the passages you mentioned was in First Peter and just talking about the great enemy, uh, the devil that prowls around like a roaring lion, First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Uh, would love to hear y'all's thoughts as we begin. Like, why was it so important to start there? As we look at the church, we look at what it looks like to be a strong church. What is so significant about first speaking to the enemy and the power that he has? Well, there's so many things that are coming against us in life on a day-to-day basis. We wake up and, and sometimes we feel excited for the day. And then other times we feel overwhelmed by what's going on. And so the reality in the biblical worldview that there is an enemy that's out there, that's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. We use those words often in, in First Peter. It says that he's prowling around like a roaring lion. I mean, again, watching a lot of football, he's out there like a safety looking to tackle somebody and knock you on your backside. And so the first two words there in First Peter is stay alert. Mm. And so we have to be aware. We have to stay alert that there is an enemy out there. And uh, again, the, the more that we focus on what we're called to do as believers, uh, the more victory we have over him. Mm. That's just helpful to know even before when you were starting your message, because then it it helps you understand what where one area of pushback can come from in trying to be the church. And then I think the points help us look at the other other areas that can also be our own doing. We'll get to like comparison, competition, things like that. But it helps to start with there also is an enemy that's against us. And that's a big factor, too. Yeah, well, and I just think about not only, oftentimes when we talk about the church, we talk about the commonality we have as far as we have the same God, the same God, even though a unique relationship, we all follow the same God. And yet, in this case, we also have the same enemy. And so there's mm-hmm. even yeah. just factors in that where this isn't an individual sport that we are all, God has designed the church to be there for each other. Yeah, and another cool thing, I didn't mention this on Sunday, but just thinking about it now, Jesus, when he called out Peter's faith and said, on this rock, I will build the church, Peter, the first leader of the church, uh, after Jesus is 
ascends and the Holy Spirit descends, um, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So we can't be beat by the enemy because of what Jesus did, conquering death by dying on the cross and, and raising again, uh, rising again. And so that gives us confidence that ultimately we win the game, but there's still a battle going on until Jesus returns. And that's why the church is so important. It's so good. Let's jump into just these four aspects that we looked at uh, on Sunday, Jose. The first one being calling. A strong church uh, understands their calling, and then the analogy, as you kind of wove in the the football themes throughout the week, uh, was making making it known that I'm on the team. I, I made the team here. The significance of calling. Uh, I'd love to hear just even personally how God kind of showed you that, taught you that individually, and then why is that so significant? And maybe what's the opposite of knowing that you're called? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, significant for me is it was this church that mm. reached out and saved me through Jesus, but invited me to community, invited me to become a part of a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior. And I've, I've been saved thanks to Jesus through this body. And I'm, I'm so grateful that that is a reality. We don't have to try out and earn our spot on the team. We just have to answer the call. Mm. You made it. And then hop in and, and watch how God forms you and changes you while you're playing the game. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it was just so God's calling on us is so personal, too, even though he's calling everyone to come to him. Um, it is It does feel like a personal. When God shows up, it feels personal. So I, for me, in, uh, I came to Christ in eighth grade, and I really didn't understand a lot, but I knew I had been wrestling with who God is, who he made me to be. Mm. Is he actually who I, you know, have thought before that he is? And then I had people that showed up in my life showing me the way that God really is instead of the assumptions I made. And so I, it took a long time to figure out a lot of other things that came with that for me, but um, it was so personal the way that God called and he's not, it's not a blanket ask for everyone. It's specific under that it feels individual personal personal yeah yeah and the opposite of that i would say is is rejection because he calls everybody mm -hmm. then the opposite of accepting that call and saying yes is is rejecting him and, and saying no i'm, I'm going to do life by my own terms i'm, I'm going to d dictate what is right what is wrong uh whatever i feel i'll follow and and that's the opposite of accepting the call to follow jesus is following your own heart following your own way the, the second part here, uh, I got a question that flows into this, but this idea of compliment and knowing my position on the team. Uh, I know a little bit of y'all's backstories, and so I'd love for y'all to share just how did God use the church? Jose, on Sunday, you mentioned that there's a lot of great churches out there and a lot of different flavors, I think is what you called it, but our church has a unique culture, and how did, how did that impact y'all's uh, feeling of being called and then also just the way in which y'all were onboarded onto this team? team that we have? I think just the word that comes to mind is grace for me. That's what I've received from Cy the people at Cypress Creek Church since I got here, um, is just giving me grace and time to figure out how to do this, how to know my position and where sometimes I went 
have gone wrong and people that have encouraged me, corrected me, helped me really know the way that God's wired me. And just, it's a continual, it feels like a continual process since it's a, does the church is a living body, you know, it's like forming as it's happening. And so I just see where through the seasons that I've gotten to be here, God's used the people around me to really do that. Yeah. Yeah, same here. And a flavor or one of the key attributes of our personality as a church, I think, is we're, we're very relational. We're, we're about relationships. That's why community groups are so integral. And with that, we, we're also quick to empower. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful yeah. that I was empowered early. So I was told, hey, run a you know, a 10 yard out. I didn't really know what a 10 yard out was. And, and so someone showed me and then here I go and I'm catching uh, footballs before metaphorically, of course, before, <laughs> b- before I know the whole route. Go, <laughs> how far you're going to go down this? Yeah. Way. Maybe before I'm really ready. And, and I think that that's, that's been a key piece is that we, we have been put in the game. I mean, the three of us are sitting in this room because mm-hmm. people have empowered us and have believed in us and have said, Hey, all right, now you go, mm-hmm. you try. Um, and, and I think that's a, a powerful thing. Another, I'm just thinking out loud here. Another fun one is generational. Mm-hmm. So not only, um, do we complement each other in different playing different positions, but we're also in many different seasons. And I think that's a huge gift that, mm-hmm. that we bring to, uh, one another is there are, you know, singles and, and newly marrieds and uh, young children and middle of the road children, you know, the middle school and high school years and then empty nesters and grandparents mm-hmm. and great grandparents. And we really run the gamut. And that's a flavor that we have. That's delicious. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Okay. No, thanks. Okay. Um, it tastes very good. I'll say. Oh, How about gosh. That? Uh, you mentioned the church exists for three things, strengthen believers, serve the vulnerable, and save the lost. Would love for you to speak to that as far as just even the significance of us all being on mission together, because we do have different roles. And you, uh, continuing the football analogy, reference fantasy football and this idea that we can really get behind one particular mm-hmm. person. And the Bible speaks pretty clearly, especially yeah. in the New Testament, about yeah. doing that and the warning signs of, yeah. of coming beside one either leader or one particular person in the church that so we're all designed together. But what is so significant about just even the mission of what the church exists to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you're bringing this question up because we just didn't have enough time in the message to to go about this. We got to major on the majors. We got to stay uh, focused on, on what's most important. And oftentimes we get held up with little differences that are not that significant. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I think about uh, what was it, the church in Corinth that uh, Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, some of you guys are saying you follow Apollo. Some of you guys say that you follow mm. Paul. And then even others are saying that, oh, no, I follow Jesus. And and he says that that's not constructive for building up the body for unity. Mm. We, we need to stay focused on 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 the majors. And, and those are those three. Are, are we saving the lost? Are we seeing lives changed? Are, are we strengthening the body of believers? I think in our culture, again, that that's what we've talked about, building strong and healthy families, strong community mm. groups. And then lastly, are we living life on mission, taking care of the vulnerable, taking care of those that, that have that have need keyword care. We'll talk more about that next week mm. because that word is so crucial to our mission, actually caring and not mm. just going on with with uh, you know the, the the playbook. Yeah, I it just amazes me the way that God has formed the church. And I like that you called out the local church because it is easy to believe that while well, I'm, you know, I can exist as part of 
the larger church through my belief and not be committed to a local church. And it is cool to think about God's sovereignty and how he's put us wherever he's put us um, and how that's even his yeah. care and protection for us through the local church. I, I got a metaphor for that <laughs> that just came to mind. Football. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it is football. I think about Deion Sanders, who played two professional sports for a while, right? He played baseball and he played football and it didn't really work. He couldn't do both really, really well. He had to choose one or the other. Ultimately, he chose football. And and it's the same way with committing to a local church. Some people are like, oh, well, I'm a part of the big C mm-hmm. church. I'm an athlete. I'll just go play for this team and that team. And, and you can go to any church freely. No, no problem. Listen to any pastor. But there is so much... It does better for the body when you truly commit and you serve in one church and and you're able to give a lot more. You're able Mm. to know a lot more people deeply, not just in a shallow way. And it's overall healthier for the body if if we do that. Sadly, I feel like there's a lot of churches that have a, a culture or spirit of competitive uh, competition with, amongst each other, but even just within the church, this is a common theme, I think, throughout the series I've been surprised by, but just comparison and how last week talking about generosity and stewardship and how easy comparison can creep in there and envy, but even in this, you know, just our roles and the, and the particular giftings that we've been given in the church, how do the two of y'all navigate that just personally and then also just collectively? What is so significant about just guarding against comparison in the church? Church. Something that you told me long, long ago, Taylor, long, long ago, three years ago, <laughs> was that we got to focus on what's right in front of us. And, and that helps us stay focused on on what we've been given and not what other people are doing. So I think it was COVID and we were looking at doing different things and we were looking at what other churches were doing and we flipped the question thanks to something that you brought up and you're like, no, what do what do we need right now? Well, what are the needs that are right in front of us? Let's focus on meeting those and not worry about, you know, this or that 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 other churches are doing. And and I'm grateful for that then and now because it, it keeps me focused on, okay, what is this you know, church, local expression of the body of Christ, the family believers called Cypress Creek Church need. And when we do that, we don't have to worry about Mm. comparing. Yeah. I like that the start is the first point is calling because really without knowing that, then your only options and trying to know your position are to compete or to compare because you haven't Mm. received from God what he's called you two personally first. And I think that's a good flag for me. Those two are good flags of like where I went wrong internally before I started comparing and competing. You know, there's something I need to get from be more grounded in my identity in Christ um, instead of trying to just find my way. Yeah, that's such a deep heart issue too, because Mm -hmm. we talked about that last week, even just that same attitude towards our money, our possessions, you know, as soon as we start thinking it is ours, like Mm -hmm. I I earned this, I I worked for this, then immediately that's, you know, we're then chasing, trying to be, you know, scarcity mentality, trying to figure out, okay, how do I hoard? How do I keep what I have comparing what other people have instead of realizing that God, God has given it to us. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Jose, something you shared in a team uh, staff retreat we had just a few months ago, but just out of John 21, uh, that God's really used in my heart, but where uh, at the very end, uh, John's talking to, to Jesus and, or Jesus talking to John, telling him, uh, this is right after the right. passage yep, about yep, yep. telling Peter mm-hmm, that he's going to mm-hmm. build his uh, church on the rock. And all to say, Peter asks Jesus, well, wait, what about, what about John? Like, how's he going to die? Because yeah, Jesus talking It's not him. good. It doesn't look good for Peter. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so he's starting to compare. Yeah. yeah. But Jesus literally just says, what is that to you? You follow me. And just, I think that's been really speaking to my heart just personally, because I think there's times we can't help but compare against all kinds of things in this world. 
and we rag on social media often, but it is not a helper when it comes to this kind of stuff. And yet I just go back to that passage and realize like following Jesus, there is so much that that entails. And I, there's so much for me to focus on that that really is all that I should be fixated on and not comparing myself or even wondering like, Oh God, what is going to happen to that person? Or what about, what do they do? So I think that's, that's really key as well. And it, and it tags into this third part here about confidence, speaking truth in love. Uh, this is something that we've often talked about, but just that grace and truth continuum. Uh, and I love to ask this every time, but how do y'all navigate and can tell when you're going too far on one side? Because any, you know, we love to talk about continuums, but in reality and in, in the practical day to day, what does that look like? How, how do you actually live that out and that balance of grace and truth and having the right confidence and not being overly confident or pridefully? Yeah, the, the key there is conviction. So what is the Holy Spirit convicting me to do mm-hmm. in one way or uh, in, in the other? So on one side you have, okay, I know what the Bible says. I know what's true. I know that so-and-so did something to me that was wrong. That is good to understand and and know in your heart, but how you act from that, again, the passage says, rather speak the truth in love. So I love that it it contrasts that with not being tossed to and fro. And I've had conversations with people that I adore and that I love that believe differently, live differently, and I don't want to come off as this superior, I know better than you, you know, and, and the key really is that speak the truth in in love, wanting the best for the other person. And so I have to ask the Holy Spirit for conviction. How do I say this? Mm. And and how, how do I go about, you know, addressing this or maybe not mm. and just praying about it and, and not confronting uh, a, in a certain way. And so in the church, I think this is probably the hardest thing for us now because our culture is changing and how to speak the truth in love is the key that will bring about, I think, uh, uh, bringing other people to faith, but also healing a lot of hurt in, inside mm-hmm. of the church. Yeah, I like. I think it's so easy to get kind of carried away with so many other voices or ideas. And I like where the word just really helps with trying to figure this out and having the God's word as the baseline of even when I'm not like searching, there have been times where I've searched the Bible in order to figure out how to speak truth. And it is the the standard and the authority. And so just having that instead of accidentally being tossed to like even something that God might be doing in me, but that doesn't mean he's doing it in everybody, you know? And so even though it is God's work in my life, it's not, if I'm not guarded, I think by the word and then by the Holy Spirit, then it's just confusing Mm -hmm. and I can have good intentions and do it wrong or prioritize the wrong things. That's so good. That's so good. Tying it all together here, this last point here about culture and this idea of putting on a new uniform. Jose, would love for you to kind of speak to that. Just again, this is not just an individual sport, but a collective sport and kind of what, what do you feel like God, what's the church or who is the church that God is wanting us to be? Yeah, that th- this wraps the whole thing together. So these attributes, this uh, this culture piece is huge because Culture is not taught, it is caught. So if you are these things, you will create a healthy culture um, 
and let me see. I'm going to pull up the list because it's worth mentioning over and over so that it, so so that we catch it. Uh, and and by the way, when we leave these out, when we live these out, it's also super contagious. Speaking mm-hmm. the truth, staying calm. And uh, the verse there says, "In your anger, do not sin." So it's just staying calm in the midst of a, a, a hard situation. Working hard, being generous, building others up, yielding to the Holy Spirit, putting away the old ways and and yet and instead being kind compassionate and forgiving so if if we live these out and again this these are fruits of the spirit right this is ways that god blesses us internally and out of that we're able to show these uh kingdom culture attributes that bless the church and and, and bless those Mm -hmm. around us yeah, I um, got to go to the UT game last week. There you go. I'm not the only one just, talking football here. Yeah, it's just too relevant right now because <laughs> from the moment you start walking up, it is all culture. You know, it is like perfectly branded and like strong, you know, like you can tell I never get go to those games. But as soon as you start going up, you know, there's something happening that I'm missing by not even when I watch at home and am not there watching. And so I just thought that it was so, it's so powerful to be in the stadium and to be, to feel. And it's that culture is contagious, even though like then apply that to the church, you know, the church, the culture that God has for his people versus even something like that, that is really popular of a football team. Um, It just reminds me of that on like another level. Yeah. Because if you're not a UT grad, you, you feel (laughs) a bit out of place. And I I have felt that when I've gone to other football (laughs) games, you know, and some of us are fake I didn't graduate from this university. And the reason why I bring that up is because it makes me want that. It makes Mm me, what do I need to do in order to be included? And I think the same thing happens when you have a church culture that is strong, that is contagious. Mm -hmm. Other people will see what Jesus said in John 13. That's how we closed the gathering. By this, others will know me by the way that you love one another, you know? So uh, that's that's how we show the world who Jesus is, is through our culture. culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, most people listening uh, probably have a sense of value in the church that they wouldn't be listening otherwise mm. or, or coming on a Sunday morning. But maybe some listening, again, I've tried to avoid the sports analogy thus far, but <laughs> they're on the sideline, they're watching the game, and maybe they're looking and they're like, there's a bunch of Hall of Famers out there. What, what, what role do I have to play? And so maybe they do value the church, maybe they show up each week, but just what would encouragement would y'all give to someone that's maybe just feeling like, yeah, but that's for the professionals. That's that's for the, the pros that are out there. Yeah, in Ephesians for that's a great question it says the work of ministry so uh the the gifts are given to specific leaders in this chapter we we're looking at these four or five depending on how you interpret them and then you it goes there to equip others for the work of ministry so we're all called to a work of ministry and my encouragement would be seek the lord ask god what that may be. It may be a a couple in your community group. It may be your neighbor down the street and then be faithful in, in that place of ministry and then watch, because I can tell you this work that we are doing right now is a joy. Mm -hmm. And it's something that God has so obviously opened up the doors, um, to do, but this didn't happen over overnight. It's a progressive work of the Holy spirit through the church that brings us to our position so that we can be in the game 
and mm. uh, activate activate our gifts. Mm. I love that you at the first Peter two nine that you read at the beginning that says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light." And feel like being a part of. Um, the church is such a unique, any local church is such a unique calling and role that we get to play in seeing the way that God has called Cypress Creek Church to specific things and in a specific lane for different seasons. And yet individually, we're also called. It's just like, it's such a unique thing that we get to be called as a body. So we have to be a part, you know, like we need to be a part of the whole and also the personal calling and the individual. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Thank you all for listening to the Cypress Creek Sports Podcast. We'll see you (laughs) next week. Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.